Well, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I made a spectacular mistake. Um, I was uh, living in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. That's where my family uh, is from. My parents were missionaries there for 30 years. And uh, the years that we were there were some of the most violent times in the country's history. In fact, um, through most of my childhood, uh, Colombia was rated the number one most dangerous place for Americans to live. So that was us, okay? And uh, in the middle of that, I decided when I was in seventh grade uh, to pretend that we had been kidnapped, okay? Yeah, that happened, okay? So uh, when I was, uh, <clears throat> when we were on our way home, one of our friends, uh, I don't know what got into him, but uh, they were doing this carpool thing. My parents were doing a carpool with another missionary a couple, and the dad looked at me, and for some reason that day said, you're old enough to like be a man, and uh, said, well, I'm gonna just put you guys in a taxi and send you guys home on your own. So we did. So we rolled up to our house. My parents weren't there. And as we were waiting for my mom to get home, I convinced my brother and my sister, who are both younger than me, and uh, another friend of ours who was staying with us at the time, to all hide, okay? Now, I... I don't know uh, if you've ever done this. I don't know if you ever ran away from home at one point. I don't know if there was a time that you were living on the wild streets of Nashville and hiding out as a vagrant. However, for us in Columbia, this was a real fear. Like we had, instead of like snow days where I grew up, we had assassination days. So like literally you couldn't go to school because somebody was assassinated who was important. Um, there were bomb days where there were bomb threats and we couldn't go outside the house uh, because it was danger of us uh, encountering some kind of random bomb. So for us to like not come home that day was a horrifying experience for my parents. And we didn't really understand the implications of that being that we were all pretty young. But I remember hiding out in the closet in my sister's room with my brother, my sister and our friend, Sarah. And we had like snacks and we had cushions and we were like living it up. All the while my parents were freaking out thinking that we had been abducted and we were in some kind of like, like dungeon somewhere, okay? And we didn't realize it was bad until we heard someone calling our name. My mom was calling our name and we realized that there was a panicky tone to her voice. So we snuck out of the closet, crept downstairs and went, boo! To that point, she like gave us the worst look I've ever received in my life. Like if you could like turn us to stone, we would have been like granite at that moment. And she said, you need to go talk to your dad because he's called the, the Columbian version of the FBI. And uh, there's a manhunt and there's a prayer meeting at the church two blocks away and you need to go find him. So me being 13 years old, I got out of the house and I was like, oh, what have I done? Like everybody knows. We've completely freaked the entire community out. This is like an international incident. I'm walking on my way to the church, the longest walk I've ever taken in my life. And I see my father coming towards us in the distance. And in my heart, I didn't know what was gonna happen next. I didn't know. Um, I had no idea how he was gonna respond to our being lost. And in that moment, I got a snapshot of what it felt to be the prodigal son. The son who was lost and was coming home to his father. And tonight, as we finish out the book of Jonah in our study of how to hear from God, I believe that Jonah's story parallels our own story 
and parallels the story of the prodigal son. That in many ways, Jonah is an Old Testament version of the prodigal son's story. And we're going to see how God calls prodigals and pursues them and has a desire for them to come home. And that his voice is constantly calling us because all of us are prodigals in some way. In our journey at different stages, we are a part of the prodigal son's story. So turn with me in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah 4, we're going to read through the last chapter here. And often, let me just be honest, often we skip this chapter. Like we're like, fish, check. People repent, check. And we don't even think about what happens afterwards. But we're going to find that this story really resonates with us as people who are all looking to come home. Now it says this, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. As we've been walking through the story, you hear this, this kind of refrain come over and over again. Jonah heard the word of the Lord to go preach to the people of Nineveh. They were the worst of the worst. They're the worst city in the world at the time. Jonah goes, I don't want them to repent. So he gets on a boat and goes as far from God's presence as he can. God doesn't let him stay there. He sends a storm in his path. Jonah gets thrown overboard to save the sailors and the ship. God rescues him by sending a fish that sends him back to Nineveh. Jonah shows up, preaches the worst sermon ever. Like we talked about this last week. His sermon literally was like, turn or burn, baby. Like that's literally what his sermon was. Repent, because Nineveh is going to be overcome. But the people listen, and they obey, obey the word of the Lord, and they repent and believe. And now Jonah is mad because God forgave him. He's like, I knew this was what was going to happen. God, you like are such a good God, and you're so merciful. And I didn't want them to repent and believe. So what happens next is God speaks. So what happens next, he says this. He says, I, I just want to die. Look with me in verse 3. He says, and now, Lord... Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Like, he is a drama queen, right? <laughs> like, Lord, they repented. I just want to die now. And God speaks back to him. He says this in verse 4. He says, the Lord asks, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city, found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in the shade to see what happened to the city. Then the Lord appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head, to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. And as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. Again, the drama is thick, right? And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, it, yes, it is right, he replied. I am angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between the right and the left, as well as many animals. Kairos, this story is us. And I know that sometimes you go, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not in that story. It's an ancient story. What does that have to do with me? The reason why it's like us is because we 
we look like Jonah a lot of times. We act like Jonah. Because Jonah is a picture of this prodigal son. Now, in Luke 9, Jesus tells about the prodigal son. It's one of his most famous and beloved stories. It's a story of a young man who has a very wealthy father who decides he's going to run away from home. So he says, Dad, I don't want you. I want your stuff. And he takes all his stuff and goes to a far off land. And he promptly wastes it, spends it all. One day he realizes that he has nothing left. He's hungry and his father's servants are better taken care of than he is. And so he leaves that far off land, comes home and tells his dad, he says, listen, dad, I don't, I don't have any right to be your son, but um, I would love to come serve you. Would you let me be your servant? And his father says, no, we're not doing that, son. Instead, we're gonna throw a party. And he throws a massive party. He says, you, my son is home. But the story doesn't end there. There's another brother, the older brother, who's also a prodigal. Sometimes we think there's just one prodigal son, but there's actually two. It's the story of prodigal sons. Because one has left home, even though he's still physically there. His heart has left his father. The older brother does not celebrate the fact that his brother's returned. He's angry because he does not want him to repent. And here we find Jonah living this out. Both these stories, both these people in his own life. Because just like the younger son, he takes his father's inheritance, the promise of forgiveness, and runs away from God's presence from home because he does not want to please his father. And he gets on a boat and goes as far west as he can, away from God's face. But then he decides to return and actually obey God. But when he does, he becomes the older brother because he does not want to see Nineveh repent and believe. And he becomes angry. And he becomes calloused towards them. And here we find God's posture towards prodigals in this story. We find it in three ways. The first one is this, is that God pursues prodigals. God pursues prodigals. Now, we see this in the way that God approaches Jonah. So Jonah is angry. He goes to the city, out of the city, and sits on the hillside. And I think he's thinking that God's about to like bring down judgment on Nineveh because they can't keep his rules. So he sits up on that city, and he is just waiting. He's like, God, bring down your judgment. I'm ready. And as he's there in the hardness of his heart, God appoints three things. This word appoint means that God takes action. He pursues Jonah. The first thing that he appoints is a plant. God sends Jonah a plant to cover him and give him shade. And overnight, magically, supernaturally, a plant sprouts and covers Jonah and gives him shade. And the scriptures tell us that Jonah is delighted by it. He rejoices in the fact that this plant's there because now he can watch the city burn in comfort. He's like, this is great. But the next morning, God appoints something else, and that's a worm. The worm comes as some kind of parasite, and it eats the plant's roots, and the plant dies. And now Jonah is angry because the plant's gone, but God isn't finished yet. He then appoints a wind, and the wind, a hot wind, comes and blows upon Jonah, and he feels heat sick. This is the way we feel every summer, right? By the way, in Nashville, right? You know the way this feels, right? It's like swampy. It's, it's hot. You feel overwhelmed by it. That's the way Jonah's feeling. And he's like, I am over this. I'm over it. But all this pain and suffering, all this interruption is not because God is mad at him. It's because he desires Jonah to repent and come home. See, here's the deal. If you're facing 
an obstacle in your life, it might be because you sinned, but it also might be because God's trying to bring you back to himself. There might be an interruption in your life where God brings something like a worm or a hot wind into your life because he desires you and he's pursuing you and he wants you to be his. You see, the beautiful part of these two prodigal sons is that they are sons, not servants. And if you're going through a season where you're feeling the weight of opposition, it may be because God is calling you to look at him. It may be because God loves you. See, that's not the sermon we hear a lot of times. We think like, man, if God loves you, he's only gonna give you stuff. But over and over again in the Bible, God shows us that there are times that it's so hard and it's because God loves us because he wants to draw us to depend upon him. So there may be some kind of obstacle in your life where you're feeling some kind of breakdown, where you're like, I'm just feeling broken down, like life's too hard. That may be God calling you to trust him and wait on him because he's pursuing your heart. Now, the second thing we see here about prodigals is that God is patient with prodigals. He's patient with prodigals. If I was God, I would have been like, Jonah, we've, we've had a contract, we've had a relationship, you did what I told you to do, you preached, like, I'm over this. I, I can't take you anymore, right? And it could have been so easy for God to be like, I'm done. But that's not what you find God doing. God continues to pursue Jonah and he is patient with him. I just want you to see what God continues to do every time that Jonah is angry. What does God do? God asks him a question. We see it in verse four. It says, God says, is it right for you to be angry? God doesn't tell him, hey, don't be angry anymore. He asks him a question because God is patient with Jonah. He asks him a second time in verse nine, God says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Why? Because God now is asking him about his situation. He's like, is it okay for you to be this? Because God is continuing to be patient with him. Because God is a patient God, which is so, so good for us to realize. Because if you're anything like me, I just mess up over and over and over again. Sometimes I'm like, God, why would you even use me? Maybe you feel that way tonight. Maybe you feel like you've like used up your last chance, so you've gone too far, you've sinned too much, you've broken too many rules, and you're just not sure if God cares about you or wants you in his family anymore. You feel like you've broken it. You've broken trust. And you've got to try to earn it back on your own merit. But God is patient with prodigals. Why? Because God throws parties for prodigals. God rejoices when people come home. God loves people and he loves you. Look at what Jonah says about God. He says this, I knew you were going to do this. Why? Because in verse two, he says, um, he says, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and one who relents from sending disaster in the middle of his brokenness, Jonah makes one of the most amazing declarations about who God is. Think about that. In the hardness of his heart, he sees God clearly. He's like, you're a good God. And you are faithful and you desire people to repent. And I don't know if I'm okay with that. Because I want to make sure that those who are 
unrighteous get punished. But here's the reality. No one is good enough to meet God's standard. It's only because of his mercy that we can come home. And it's only because God is so good that we have a chance at all because God's the kind of God that throws parties for prodigals because he loves it when we come home. This is what God says to Jonah. He goes, listen, you are happy about a plant. I care about people. It's always people over plants. It's always people over plants. I care about people. And there's a city filled with 120,000 people who don't know me, and I'm glad that they've come home, Jonah. So what are you going to do about it? And that's where we are at as a community, guys. I just, I think we could like wrap it up right there and just be like, great, God loves people. Awesome. I'm one of them. Awesome. Anytime I need help, awesome. God pursues people and he's patient with them and he throws parties and we can wrap this up and we can go home. But I don't know if that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about tonight. Y'all, at Kairos, we have a great thing. We got awesome worship. We have talented, smart, very handsome and good-looking people that come. So feel good about that, whoever you are. I know. Uh, However, if I want to bring this home to my heart and your heart, I do believe that we are really good at making people feel like they are welcome to attend the party that God is throwing, but we're not very good at making people feel like they're the guest of honor. And I, I, I have a problem with that. You see, if you're a son or a daughter of the king, you should feel like it. And I want you to hear tonight that if no one's ever told you that, that Jesus loves you with reckless abandon, that he gave himself for the cross, and he made it possible for you to be adopted in God's family, then you should never, ever, ever question his love for you. And at Kairos, I think we need to do a better job of making people feel that the minute they step on our parking lot. And I know there's a lot of things we can do to make that better. We're going to be working on some of those things internally. We're trying to help our guest service team create a vibe and energy where people feel like they are coming home when they come here. We're going to try to continue to develop our small groups to make people feel like they're not just people who attend, but they're family. That's a value. That's where we're going as a ministry. We want to be a place where people find their people. But I can't do that for you. I need people who say, I want people to return home and I get to play my part. Because otherwise, we're like Jonah sitting on the mountaintop just watching. And we sure would love to see some people return, but we don't want to be a part of it. But my question is, what if Kairos became a place where we threw parties for prodigals every week? Where we value the fact that people walk through these doors often limping and falling apart. And we say, it's okay not to be okay, but we found the one who gives us a way out. And we want you to be a part of it. We want you to sit at our table. We want you to be a part of this family. And it's going to take all of us to make that happen.
And so as I talk about the future and where I want Kairos to go, my heart is that we'd be a place where we are just like praying and hoping and praying and giving our hearts away and our lives away so that people can just come home. Because there's nothing like being home. You know what it feels like when you walk home? Like you open the door and like see, you, like the first thing you do, if you haven't been home in a while, you open the door and you smell your family. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're like, wow, that's a different smell. And that smell may smell like motor oil or like cheap cigarettes. Or I don't know what it smells like, but it's home, okay? Maybe it's warm bread and you walk open and you open that door and you see the old rug that was there when you were a kid and you like walk through that door, you see the same pictures that were always there and then you turn the corner and you see mom and dad and they're looking at you or maybe it's just mom or dad and you're just like, I'm home finally. And there's something within you that just kind of like lets its guard down because you're like, I'm finally back and I'm finally safe. And God wants you to feel that when you come to Kairos. And I know churches sometimes don't feel that way, but I think this place can. Unlike any other place, I think this place can. But it's not me doing it, it's us. I believe that we need to give the ministry, the real ministry of caring about people back to you. So, I believe we're all prodigals. And I remember walking up to my dad after running away from him, hiding. I remember walking down that street, looking up and seeing him. And I was like, is he going to be angry? Am I going to lose privileges? Am I about to like have the worst tongue lashing of my life? And guess what I walked right into? His arms. That's right. He was glad I was home. And so <laughs> that night we partied like we never partied. I don't remember much about it. I think I blanked out the way I felt, like the fear. But I realized how much my parents loved me when I came home. So tonight as we close, I have one question for you. This is our 120 seconds. We just take this time where we're just kind of like to say, this is wait on the Lord. and just hear his voice coming upon us. And here's the question that we have for you tonight. Where are you in your prodigal journey? Where are you? Are you the first son, the one who's running? And you've been running for a long time, and this is your first time back at church, and it's like you're like scared, and you're like not sure if this is going to be home, but like you've taken the step. Maybe you're still running. You're running hard, but God is putting obstacles in your way because he's pursuing you, and he loves you. But he's patient, and he'll wait for you till you turn. So others of us in this room, we're the older brother, and we're like really good at doing church, and we hope that everybody notices. We're mad when others get grace because we've been working really hard, and today we just need to say it's not about me. It's about what Jesus has done for me. We need to repent and come home because our body may be in the church, but our heart sure isn't. And then there's others in this room who need to be like the father. In fact, all of us do. Because he's the hero. He's the one who's waiting. He's looking for his son. He's pursuing the ones who've run too far. And just like God gave grace to Jonah and invites him to join him, he's inviting you to do the same. Because you are his beloved child, and he would do anything for you.
So we're just gonna take a moment and just reflect, where are you in your prodigal journey? And as we do, I just wanna pray over you as we enter into this time, that you'd hear God's voice and you respond to whatever he has for you. Jesus, I know that in this room, there are a lot of us who are running and we're running and you're calling and you're patient. But it's time for us to say, I'm turning from running and I'm coming home. There's other of us who are home, but our heart's not here. And our heart is left. But God, would you restore us back to our Father who's pleading for us to come and join the party? And God, I know there's others of us who've been forgiven and we've got the, the you've been preparing us for this moment you've called us out of darkness and we want to go where you go and God would you allow us to be people like you your father who the father who cares about those who are searching and seeking and far from home God I pray that we would be the ones who say come we've experienced the goodness come because this is home come we've tasted and we've seen come every Tuesday night God we want to be a place where we throw parties for prodigals we are so excited this is a celebration of what you've done and what you will do why because you are worth it and you love us so Jesus would you do that would you create a place here tonight that is a place where people come home over and over and over again because you deserve it. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.